Hi, Gary Zacharias again with the Apologist Bookshelf. I want to share with you today a book called Reflections on the Existence of God. Richard Simmons III, that's S-I-M-M-O-N-S, Richard Simmons III has written this. And I'll tell you what sets it apart is it's a series of short essays that tries to answer, of course, the big question, does God exist? And uh, what I like about it is the fact that it's bite-sized. You can uh, dip in and out a lot of short essays, and it involves a lot of research that he's put in. You can tell he says over 30 years that he's been looking into this topic. So who's Richard Simmons? He's the founding director for the Center for Executive Leadership. It's a faith-based ministry that he started uh, about 20 years ago in Birmingham, Alabama, and he counsels businessmen and professionals. Uh, he wrote The True Measure of a Man. And so a very interesting book. I think you'd like it. Eric Metaxas compliments it. He calls it accessible, and he says it has valuable insights. He says it's a sensational new book. And another heavy hitter who's come in to compliment uh, Simmons is Tim Keller. He says it's the fruit of many years of thoughtful reading about the relationship of theology to the issues of modern life. And he says uh, it has uh, helpful insights. And so I wanted to share with you one part of the book. Maybe I should just tell you real quickly some of the big parts that he goes into. So the chapters that he focuses on are things like this. He's got introductory essays. I wanted to focus on that today. But he talks about the presence of evil. He has a section on the moral argument for the existence of God, uh, searching for the meaning of life, the mystery of love, the question of beauty on death and dying, human sexuality, psychology of unbelief. Why, why would people not believe in a God? That's an interesting area. Uh, the battle with science. Can you be a, a person of faith and believe in science? A whole section on evolution. Uh, then the existence of God itself, things like Jesus. Does that represent any proof for the existence of God. So what's really nice about this, again, is that every chapter is not just a, a tough slog where you have to go through page after page of information. He's broken them down into small essays. Each one is a small essay, maybe two, three, four pages, something like that. So uh, it gives you a sense of confidence that you can tackle this book and get through it, uh, or at least sections of it if you'd rather do that. So I highly recommend it. It's easy to read. Here's the part that I would like to look at. He has an opening section or two that's a challenge, basically, to the reader to follow the evidence wherever it leads. And so he gives all sorts of examples of people who are willing to go discover the truth. And he gives an example of a philosopher, William Clifford, who lived 150 years ago. Not very well known now. But uh, he wrote an essay, and he said it's the moral obligation to believe responsibly. Boy, does that sound up to date, doesn't it? When you think about today, what people believe, people believe almost anything, and they believe it because they heard of it, or they believe it because they grew up that way, or they believe it because it's convenient. Now he says, no, this Clifford says you you have to you have an obligation to believe responsibly. You, you ought to base your beliefs on evidence that you've investigated. He says, after all, beliefs influence one's actions. They're foundational to life. Ideas have consequences, as somebody else put it. So he uses that example. He also talks about Dr. Francis Collins. 
And Collins, of course, uh, headed up the Human Genome Project and for the National Institute of Health, he acted as director. So Simmons tells his story in here, and it's an interesting story, and you'll get it in his book, too. So you'll, you'll read his story in his book about uh, uh, the language of God and all. But he was a, a doctor, and, and he was an atheist. He was in medical school, working in a hospital, and he came across a woman who had really run out of options for treatment. She had a heart condition, and that was going to do her in. She was going to die soon. But Collins was really impressed with her. She was faithful. She was a kind woman. She had a great faith, and she shared it with Collins. She said, you know, I'm ready to go. Don't worry about me. And Collins nodded, and he was going to move on. But she said, Dr. Collins, you've been kind to listen to me and uh, let me share with you what I have as a faith. What, what do you believe? And Collins later wrote, nobody had ever asked me that question before, not in such a simple, sincere way. I realized I didn't know the answer. I felt uneasy. I could feel my face flushing. I wanted to get out of there. The ice was cracking under my feet. And so he began to wonder, why am I an atheist? Was it because it was just a simple answer to life? Was it, uh, had he really thought about it? And he goes on to say this, As a scientist, I had always insisted on collecting rigorous data before drawing a conclusion, and yet, in matters of faith, I had never collected any data at all. I didn't know what I had rejected. So he started doing some work, and he began to read C.S. Lewis, and he began to read other things, and he became a Christian. So that's quite a story. Who else? Well, let me share another short chapter that he has in here, another article. He talks about Antony Flew as a, another person who journeyed from atheism to theism by following the truth. So let's start with uh, talking about Flew for just a minute here. Simmons says he was probably the most celebrated atheist of the last 50 years. For five decades, Flew launched an aggressive attack on the existence of God. And then in 2007, he brought out a book called There Is a God, How the World's Most Notorious Atheist Changed His Mind. Wow. He said, I, I Flew said this in the book, Why do I believe this, you know, that there's a God? Given that I expounded and defended atheism for more than half a century, the short answer is this. This is the world picture as I see it that has emerged from modern science. And what was he talking about there? He said, well, when I thought... He said, when I started thinking about DNA and what it showed, the complexity that was needed to produce life, there had to be an intelligence behind it. So Flew got away from just what he believed and looked at the evidence more sincerely. Simmons ends up in that section talking about Flew saying this, his mind was changed because of the principled practice he followed all of his life, follow the truth wherever it leads. So that's going to be the challenge that uh, Collins and Flew succeeded in and that Simmons is trying to get across to the reader before he gets into the meat of his book. He has one more example here, and of course it's a pretty famous example, C.S. Lewis. And it says Lewis actually was raised in a traditional Christian household in Ireland, but he became an atheist when he started going to public school and then, of course, he saw World War I and the disaster that was and ended up a professor at Oxford. But he says there were two things that happened to him that actually led him to the Christian faith. One was he was reading G.K. Chesterton, and he said that had an impact. But the second one was 
One night, a militant atheist on the Oxford faculty, a man by the name of Weldon, came to Lewis's room, and they got to talking, and here's what Weldon said to him. He said that he confided in Lewis, he didn't really want to spread around, that he believed the historical authenticity of the Gospels appeared to be surprisingly sound. He said that really disturbed Lewis. He thought, wow, if a staunch atheist like Weldon thinks the Gospels may be historically true, where does that leave him? Now, see, Lewis had always thought the New Testament stories were just myths, <clears throat> that there was no history or practical truth in them. So he started thinking, well, wait a minute, I need to check this out. So Lewis began an investigation. I like that. Again, that's what Simmons is trying to get across here. Instead of saying, well, Weldon is a little confused, but I, I don't want to take the time. So one of the things we learned about Lewis is that he was open-minded. He wasn't afraid of the truth, even if it took him from something that was so comfortable. And he was comfortable in his atheism. Lewis, as he began to read, now remember Lewis is a literature person. He's, got, he's a literary critic. He has a ear for language and, and meter and all. So as he starts looking through the New Testament, he said, hmm, the New Testament doesn't contain the stylized and carefully groomed qualities that he thought he would find there. That's what myth produces. And here's what Lewis actually said. The Gospels appeared to be simple eyewitness accounts of historical events, primarily by Jews who were clearly unfamiliar with the great myths of the pagan world around them. I was by now too experienced in literary criticism to regard the Gospels as myth. They had not the mythological taste. So he says, as a literary historian, Lewis says, look, I know what legends look like. He said the Gospels are not legend." And so Lewis embarked on that search for spiritual truth and became a Christian. And so the point of what Simmons is trying to say here in this opening, before he gives us all the evidence that he has accumulated, he said, my challenge to you, the reader, is to follow the truth wherever it leads, always remembering that the truth is your friend. It enables you to believe responsibly. It leads to your ultimate well-being. Such a great challenge. Most books don't start that way. They just begin with uh, apologetic reasons to believe in a God and reasons to believe in Jesus and things like that. But he offers a challenge, which I think today's apathetic and, and skeptical world needs to hear. If you're going to believe something, make sure it's believe, uh, you're believing in it based on evidence. You're, you have faith based on evidence, not just the way you've grown up or what you've heard third hand. So I like the book. That's a good book. Once again, the title is Reflections on the Existence of God. Richard Simmons is the author. All right, well, thanks for uh, listening, and uh, let's do another podcast soon.